Welcome back to Conscious Founders. I'm your host, Xander Ford. Today we interviewed Mikey Siegel, who is a graduate of the MIT Media Lab and founder of the Consciousness Hackers Movement, which is a global movement of thousands. He also is a faculty member at Stanford University, and he leads workshops, plays with uh, emerging bio-related wellness technologies, and he's also a prolific speaker on the subject of human-machine impact on society. You can uh, learn more about Mikey on his website, Mikey Siegel, that's M-I-K-E-Y-S-I-E-G-E-L.com. Mikey is one of many technologists who came to a crossroads where they realized that technology in and of itself serving to make life more efficient and um, general gadgets that were geared towards entertainment might be um, better suited for the use of um, higher purposes. And Mikey said it so well himself. He says uh, at the MIT Media Lab, he addressed the question, how does technology influence human belief and behavior, which is a great general question. And now his question is, what is the greatest and most profound, meaningful role technology can have on society? I am super honored that Mikey was able to join us. He's a very busy man doing awesome things, and I look forward to seeing how his technology experiments expand the realms of what technology can do for humans to help us become more embodied, connected, and generally happier beings. A very warm thanks to Mikey. I know you all will enjoy this episode. Hello, Mikey Siegel. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Sander. It's wonderful to be here. Wonderful. So um, maybe you can start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to. Everything that I'm up to is, um, I guess, at its, at its very root, exploring um, exploring healing and, and consciousness in some way. Um, but a lot of that centers around the intersection of, of technology and, and well-being and human flourishing and how we can innovate. Um, or create modern tools that support um, the deepest, most meaningful, most connected aspects of the human experience. Wow, that's wonderful. And when you say modern tools, you mean uh, more technologically based, um, silicon based tools? Yeah, I, I tend to gravitate in that direction. And, and um, there's often this um, kind of sense of the broad view of technology, which I totally dig, this idea that even meditation and, and yoga, these are technologies of a sort. Um, but there have been all kinds of approaches to supporting um, uh, psychological, emotional, spiritual well-being for thousands of years. But if we look at modern science and modern technology, there's actually been very little energy and effort put in that direction. And so um, because I have a background as an engineer, that's where my, my interest goes, which is really how do these modern tools, the computers, the phones, the apps, VR, wearables, and then the, all the technologies we've yet to invent, how do those modern technologies go beyond just being tools for information or making um, life more convenient? And how do those become the, the, the meditation of the future? the yoga of the future, the tools that radically um, expand our sense of who and what we are and support our sense of connection to ourselves and each other. Mm, that's wonderful. I really appreciate the beyond convenience factor. And it seems that um, a lot of these technologies uh, that are, you know, the internet, <laughs> the, uh, the computers and uh, all of the wearable devices, a lot of them came and emerged from uh, gaming technology. I, I remember reading uh, Bill Gates's bio once, and you know, learning about well, he was an avid gamer and um, wanted to develop more and more uh, technology to facilitate his gaming. And um, so, entertainment, and then um, you know, what the consumer market came along, and 
um, sort of people started building things for um, business efficiency. And, and here we are with this plethora of tools, like you said, um, and yet relatively um, low penetration in terms of using these tools for terms of spiritual growth and, uh, and evolution and physiological health and uh, these uh, more, to me, more heart-centered uh, and uh, humane ways of using this technology. So I'm so excited that uh, you and so many others are starting to integrate our engineering and technological background to help um, build new technologies and evaluate them and tweak them and really to hack them to fit the older technologies of meditation and um, really well-known pathways to health and happiness. How long have you been doing what you're doing? It sounds like you had a, uh, a training in, as an engineer. I know. Um, yeah, just tell us a little bit about that. It really started when I when I was young. I, I used to love taking stuff apart and building stuff. And my my parents used to give me the the broken answering machines to take apart because otherwise I would I'd start taking apart the stuff that was working <laughs> to sort of feed the beast. Um, and, you know, I would remember I would stay home sick from school um, or pretend to be sick just so I could be making my inventions and, and building stuff. Um, and fast forward to um, my undergrad uh, work, which was in computer engineering. And then uh, my graduate work at the MIT Media Lab, which was in robotics, actually in an uh, area called social robotics, which was looking at um, these really sci-fi robots that that had facial expressions and could read emotion and um, it was an exploration of what it means to give a technology uh, a social interface and and more specifically my thesis work was looking at how technology can actually influence this technology can influence uh, human belief and behavior and and so um, I didn't know it at the time, but um, that would continue to be the, the journey for the rest of my life up until now, which is really um, how can technology not just influence um, human experience? Because what I realized was when I was doing that thesis work was that technology is hugely influential, whether mm -hmm. we realize it or not. It has a huge impact on how we feel, what we think, what we believe. The question is, um, what is the greatest possible influence that technology can have on mm, humanity? That is, what a, is, it that is a beautiful question. Yeah, profound and meaningful role. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, so that's been, in a way, that's been my question. But really, um, the question didn't just pop out of thin air. Um, <laughs> the, the question, I guess this is a common story, but the question really came out of, uh, out of my own desire for myself to, um, to, to, to really deepen and, and open and heal, um, myself. And, and when I left graduate school, I remember it was this feeling of contrast where I had really checked off a lot of stuff on my bucket list. Um, I graduated from MIT and my parents were happy and I was young <laughs> and I had this life ahead of me and I, you know, there were job offers and all this stuff was happening. And, um, and, and I, and I really, um, and I was really suffering to be honest. Um, I, I probably, if I had bothered to try to get a diagnosis, I would probably, you know, have various forms of depression or anxiety. Mm. Um, and actually I remember I even went to a therapist once and, and, and the first impulse was to medicate me, um, which there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but it wasn't what I wanted for myself. And so I was really searching, um, to try to understand what, what's going on here. And I ended up at a, a, a yoga ashram in Virginia for, for a, like a month and a half doing meditation and yoga and eating vegetarian food and doing all this kind of stuff. And it was really my first exposure to, I guess what you could say, my inner world. 
you know, as an engineer, I'd been focused so externally. This was the first time that I'd really, really looked inside. And what I realized is I'd been missing half of the equation. And that, um, <laughs> and that actually, um, that was what I was looking for. And that by changing the relationship to myself, by reconnecting to myself and deepening that, that actually um, I could change my whole life. And, and so I've been on that journey ever since. And, and really, um, pretty soon I realized that, A, there was nothing else that I wanted to focus on. That this process or co human capacity for transformation and growth was, um, was really where it's at. <laughs> and to put, it, you know, to put it one way, like I guess the more I looked into it, the more I kind of realized like, that's kind of all we're ever doing. Whether, whether we know it or not. You know, when we go running or when we try to find the right partner or when we try to find the right job or when we're trying to please our parents or when we're, you know, looking for delicious food or when we're having a couple glasses of wine, like we're, we're, basically anything that we're doing ultimately. And this is my, my perspective. We're, we're trying to, to find ourselves. We're, we're trying to come home to the full depth and expanse of our human experience. And, and as I started to realize that, I, I realized that was the only thing that I wanted to apply my engineering skills towards was supporting that process of transformation, that process of us coming home and realizing um, who and what we are as, as human beings. And so that's, that's been my journey ever since. Amazing. Uh, I'm going to um, give you some feedback on what I just heard because it was a lot. And um, it seems to be a, a theme actually amongst entrepreneurs in this, uh, in our generation, our uh, social strata uh, and our, um, you know, the, the people that we're mixing with tend to be, um, okay, we've gone through the, the I call it the checkbox of, of society, society's uh, you do this and you are successful, <laughs> you know, go to college, get the job, uh, work the job. And then we discover like, hey, maybe there's something else. And uh, fortunately, we come across um, the realm of healers. And, and oftentimes those are embodied uh, healers in terms of yogis or uh, in my case, martial arts. And, um, uh, and usually if they're spiritually inclined, then they also um, have a meditation practice and a deepening of the understanding of self and the interface of mind with um, the energetic being and emotions and, and then um, beyond into thought form. So um, it's fun to, to interface with more and more people like you and we were talking a little bit earlier about all of the uh, the cross references, the Venn the Venn diagram of um, mutual friends and interesting people in this space, and uh, it's fun to to just be part of this evolving group of people who are um, uh, really helping humans uh, increase their capacity for transformation, increase their awareness, and increase their deepening. Um, of the pleasure that life can bring when we are giving our gifts and realizing them um, in a, ideally in a, in a shared um, community that, that um, I found in my own, uh, my own trajectory seems to have been one of, um, okay, uh, do the society checklist and go be, a, you know, go to an Ivy League school, um, get good grades, go uh, be an entrepreneur, be successful there, and then um, buy a beautiful home, get married. And then when that happened, kind of all shit hit the fan <laughs> because I realized I was living somebody else's dream. And um, it was this program. And, and so oftentimes I think that that happens for people. Um, some people call it a midlife crisis. Other people call it a spiritual awakening, um, <laughs> depending on your, your path. Um, nonetheless, it's, um, it's been a real beautiful gift to going from 
a complete uh, um, 180 into a realm of deep despair and then coming out beyond um, the self seeking to really be of service and ultimately that's um, to me my highest calling is is to be of service to others and um, taking what uh, what I currently have and transforming it into to beauty and sharing it for others and it sounds like you know you're really um, uh, using your powers for good and for social change I find the um, the study your background is just so fascinating your um, interface with uh, technology and how technology uh, is impacting society and then of course it's a feedback loop right where society um, creates this tool and then the tool starts to shape the society and, and back and forth Do you want to um, comment on on that feedback loop at all yeah, a couple things. Um, uh, yeah, I, I want to just comment on uh, some of the stuff you were saying before, um, which is that the, there is this common theme, right, of, of people sort of discovering um, a kind of a deeper window into life and then wanting to, you know, in this case, bring it um, into what they do in the world in, in terms of technology. But um, just to say, like, the beautiful thing is I see that happening um, in every uh, domain, from education to economics to uh, to politics um, to the food industry, every single form of human expression um, is a, a, a reflection of the uh, the sort of the the mind or the consciousness that created it, right? Um, and I have this saying like, "We are what we build, and we build what we are." And so, um, in terms of the feedback loop that you were describing, um, as we, no matter what domain you're in, whether, whatever industry, whatever kind of human pursuit, as what you're creating, and this is my, my observation, as what you're creating comes increasingly from a place of love hmm. and um, care for humanity, um, from a, a, a deeper um, intention to um, to uplift the human experience, uh, and from a, a place of deeper wisdom and clarity and healing, right? Um, that will be not just reflected in what is created, but that, in terms of the feedback loop will then influence everyone that that technology touches or that that educational system touches or that political system touches or that, you know, whatever that company touches, whatever it is. And so I'm, I'm a huge believer that as um, that, that the path of entrepreneurship or the path of engineering or the, the path of, of making of creating is itself a spiritual path. And that, and that there's a sense almost a responsibility there um, for our own evolution because if we are really going to be successful in the in the classical sense successful in the worldly sense meaning <laughs> we whatever we're doing is going to impact tons of people well in, in a literal way whatever we are whatever our sort of accumulation of schmutz is whatever our beliefs are whatever our biases are um, whatever our limitations are, but also whatever our joy is, our freedom, our clarity, our wisdom, all of that will be baked right into what we create. Mm. Um, and so there, there is a, a sort of a sense of responsibility and a sense of opportunity there. We're sort of, that what we create is an amplifier of what we are. And then that creates the feedback loop. And that, that will in turn change the world. And that will influence others who will in turn build new things. And hopefully we're in a positive upward feedback loop if, mm -hmm, if for sure for sure yeah keep keep the spiral going upward uh i love that i love the uh the concept of using business as a spiritual vehicle uh as a vessel to contain both our own our own growth as uh as beings and to amplify um our gifts to the world and um it takes a lot of courage to you know, be vulnerable and share our gifts and iterate and uh, fail forward fast is uh, is a is a motto of the valley, of course. 
Um, and it seems to work. Um, the question is, what's the power source? I've been chatting a little bit uh, with other friends around going from internal combustion to uh, hooking up to a greater source of power. And this, you know, bridges into the spiritual realm, which a lot of people aren't necessarily comfortable talking about, but uh, hooking up to a sense of um, of more uh, um, a grandeur. And, and in one in one way, it's it's uh, putting ourselves on the map, like having ourselves be so uh, both completely insignificant and completely miraculous and at the same time still existing connected to this larger framework of of the unknown of the mystery um and and then tapping into that shared human consciousness um and the mystery to be a nurturing and nourishing uh source within uh the framework of humanity um so i think everything we do like you were talking about whether it's educational tools or uh, mechanics or um you know being a parent i'm not there yet but at some point, perhaps, it, you know, everything we do, every person we touch is an opportunity to um, to help and, and be of service and amplify our our own values. So I appreciate that. It's really beautiful. I think you uh, you articulated it really well. You mentioned earlier that your yoga experience was a um, one half of the equation. You were missing one half of the equation. And so maybe you can outline, you know, your experience in what the equation is and um what uh how you've how you've been balancing the math <laughs> to uh, to help it feel uh nourishing yeah well for, first uh, um a caveat just to say um i, I certainly am not a um a sort of a large scale business person um i have a lot of really cool projects going on and and um you know, large community and, and a lot of, I'm certainly very busy. Um, but, uh, mm -hmm. but I, I, I don't have a, um, you know, just have a few people that, that are working for me in different capacities. And so I'm, I'm on a smaller scale in that respect. Hmm. Yeah. I'll speak from my experience as best I can. That's wonderful. Yeah. And, um, um, so the, the thing that's been, um, most important for me um, and this comes from a lot of spiritual seeking and, and meditating and, um, uh, trying to get to the, the depths of my, my, um, of, of who and what I am, um, a deeper sense of identity and awareness, fundamental awareness. Um, and, um, and I realized that, um, there was a lot of beautiful seeking that was happening. Um, and I, and I was finding some really interesting stuff, but there was a way that I was also avoiding, um, I was avoiding myself and to a large degree, I was, I was really avoiding my, my felt experience, my emotional experience. And, um, and I realized that a lot on this path that, that I was getting caught up in this idea of trying to find something really, um, grand, something really expanse is something really transcendent and that's all there and that's incredible and beautiful and vital and important um but in terms of um this path of creating change in the world this path of really finding my sense of purpose and being effective um nothing has been more powerful for me than actually um really really connecting with my my deepest pain my deepest mm. discomforts my the mm. deepest recesses of my emotional experience <laughs> for example um just the the process for me of reconnecting and building a healthier relationship with anger mm -hmm. has been so transformative um and i had to realize that i had completely rejected that emotion Mm -hmm. uh, along with a lot of other emotions for, for me and my own experience, it's a big part of my life is this rejection of emotion. Mm -hmm. And as I, I through help and support and guidance to reconnect with anger and, and feel it and allow it in, I started to realize that anger is clarity. 
<laughs> anger is the knowing of what we want. You can't have a sense of purpose, a se an internal compass, a sense of drive and commitment without anger, without that, that aspect of our human um, energy able to flow. <laughs> and I realized that a lot of the stuckness I was feeling, a lot of the sense of not knowing and wandering around and trying to find what I wanted to do was really an expression of stuck emotion. Um, and so that's, that's um, a, a big focus for me. That's awesome. Um, I can relate entirely. It's, uh, it's amazing how we, we kind of learn to, uh, to create these characters and uh, as, we, as we grow from, from infant onward. And um, these characters, oftentimes we tell ourselves, oh, well, in order to play this character that's called uh, Mikey Siegel, I, I can't um, have this emotion and I can't have this emotion or, or Xander Ford can't express uh, you know, sadness or grief uh, in public because it's uh, right. weak or, you know, and I'm a male, so I have to be strong yeah. in this society. And, and so we go through these, uh, you know, these evolutions as humans and these different characters that we get to create. And uh, once we're aware that we're actually the ones applying uh, the rules um, to, to how we interact with society. We actually can choose how we interact with society. And um, I agree with you in, in the anger, actually in, in Chinese medicine, which I'm a big student of, um, <laughs> the liver is what fires up our anger. The liver is also the source of our life purpose. So from that philosophy, it, it directly is, is in alignment with you um, and your, your belief that, hey, you know, that's what we want anger is the knowing of what we want anger is the is one expression and, and it's like well if if you're not going to do this i'll just give it more energy until we end up doing it that's what the liver is going to do um and uh so it's it's fun uh to think about the emotional content of the the organ systems and and beyond but um mm. but back to cool. um back to let's let's cycle back to the mechanics of um how we're going to leverage our insights, um, which are fascinating and deep and uh, endless, really, um, on the the internal landscape of humans. And um, you know, we're you and I are both in unique positions to um, to help bring our findings, our gems of understanding, from going inward and transforming those um, either through direct creation of technologies or through helping to guide other other companies um, as they're evolving their technologies um, into into being uh, more insightful and maybe more efficient at getting people to greater states of of joy and uh, happiness, so that they can then return uh, their um, their amplified connection and happiness to others. Um, that seems to be. Uh, the network that I'm hoping to create. Um, in that, uh, uh, let's circle back to virtual reality and um, and then maybe a nice segue into healing technology. VR is uh, one of the many um, one of the many tools out there um, that are helping to uh, that that actually traditional healthcare practices are starting to adapt and consumers are starting to to adopt into um, their daily lives. And I'm curious what you see the trajectory of VR um, doing from a consumer penetration and how uh, some of the ways you think traditional healthcare systems and traditional um, Western-based uh, methods such as psychotherapy or um, other methods of healing. What do you see, like, put your future goggles on and, and tell me what you see. Um, I just had the pleasure of trying a trip um, with two Ps, uh, which is uh, Nanea, who I think you interviewed her previously. Um, it's her, her company. Um, and it was exciting. It, it was exciting to be just to begin to see just the first tiny steps um, because we're, we're so early, but, but it was amazing. I, I put it on and within um, uh, 30 seconds, my body felt differently. I felt relaxed. 
I felt open. And to be honest, I didn't want the experience to end. It really, um, it's, it's already the, 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 these early prototypes, um, are impactful. And my sense is that we are barely scratching the surface. I mean, really, it's not even the tip of the iceberg. It's like a speck of dust <laughs> tip of the iceberg um, compared to, to what is possible when we really begin to put money and, and innovation um, effort and energy into this, uh, this, this application of VR and other technologies for the elevation of consciousness. And so as an example... Right. Um, you take you had mentioned uh, uh, psychotherapy, uh, um, which there's a lot of science behind and a lot of effectiveness behind it. And it's an incredibly limited resource. Right. Um, very few people have the ability to actually sit down physically with another person and receive that support. It's financially restrictive, but also to be honest, I think the statistics are something like 60,000 therapists for all of China. <laughs> That's right? insane, yeah. If you, were, mm. if you were to fill every single therapy training program and institute and, and institution in the world, you wouldn't have enough mm. therapists to meet what the actual mm. real demand is, mm. right? Um, and so VR... And, and other forms of interactive technology become this potential to meet that demand. Mm. And so what happens when we begin to, which is already happening, by the way, um, develop, um, I always do this, I, I say the next sentence before I finish my first sentence. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this better. Um, <laughs> um, what happens when we develop um, AI systems that are built from the ground up to begin to play that role of a therapist mm -hmm. to, um, and this is looking a little bit into the sci-fi future, but um, can actually study the best practices, can study the science, can study what works, can iterate and, and understand and feedback from thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of sessions. Mm -hmm. um, what happens when we build an AI that's better than or as good as any human therapist and what happens when that is universally available across mm -hmm. language across geography across culture through virtual reality through um a, a chatbot through apps through games right? how can we how would we be able to transform the world at that point yeah that's amazing it sounds like um you you hit the the nail on the head with what one of the benefits of technology in particular um, can do in that scale as we as these systems become um, more autonomous then we can start to reach more and more people who may not have the resources uh, available to to heal but through a, a lower cost uh, distributed platform uh, they can they can gain access to to these tools um, on the on the realm of virtual uh, therapists, uh, I interviewed a, a guy named Skip Rizzo, who's um, uh, at, at USC, and he's actually built uh, virtual humans. Uh, he's really really far uh, forward thinker, um, and kind of, I call him the godfather of virtual reality therapy. So that technology actually exists, and one really interesting. Um, comment that came from him was that he he was dealing a lot with soldiers suffering from PTSD and um, a lot of them preferred to speak to a computer uh, a virtual human rather than a real therapist so it actually had the added benefit of even being more approachable there was some sort of comfort around um, the human computer interaction um, that, that was to me seemed backwards, but, uh, that, that was what the data showed that he, that they preferred speaking to the virtual human. So kind of cool. Yeah, it's cool. And, and I want to speak to one thing, which I, I is really common and, and your, uh, your viewers 
might be feeling this too, which is almost like a, a bristling, a, 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 um, a feeling of mm. resistance to this um, idea of a sort of technology taking this very human role. And, and mm -hmm. even this feeling of like, are we somehow losing part of our humanity or are we, um, you know, going to get sucked into this kind of, of uh, cold, heartless, you know, technological reality. Um, and, um, and I just want to name that mm -hmm. fear, which is really mm -hmm. common. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that when I talk about what, what I'm doing, that's the thing that often comes up, which is, which is, wait a minute, isn't the whole point for, um, people to be more connected to each other, like physically, <laughs> and, you know, for creating these technologies, are we just kind of paving the way for us to just lose ourselves in each other? Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and so I, I just want to, I just want to name that. Right. Yeah. That's because a, that, that's really valuable. That's here. You, yeah. You know, that's, that's part of, it's part of this conversation. And, and um, and I, I want to say that, that that's a real fear. Um, and, and that probably will happen in certain ways, mm -hmm. right? That, that probably is inevitable in certain ways. Um, and I, and I also want to say that we have, um, been exposed to such a distorted and unhealthy expression of technology that it's actually hard for us to imagine what healthy or nourishing technology could look like mm -hmm. in, in the mm -hmm. same sense that if you'd only ever seen fast food, <laughs> that's a great it, metaphor it would be really it's a hard analogy for you yeah. to imagine that food can actually be medicine that it's, food can actually be a nourishing supportive and healthy um and necessary part of what it means to to exist and the fact is is technology is part of what it means to be human mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we we cannot be humans without technology even if you imagine the most primitive tribes they're using stone tools they're altering and innovating on their environment in order to support their existence that is what we do as human beings mm -hmm. and, and so for me i think the question is how can the technology that we create um be in harmony with life's natural rhythms mm. how can the technology that we create be an expression of love how can the technology we create be a healing and nourishing um, uh, form of human expression? And I think if we focus on that goal um, and we don't compromise, then I think that speaks, in my, from my view, it speaks to a lot of these um, fears. Beautiful. That is that is really beautiful. Um, I have so many thoughts that came off of that. <laughs> the uh, the the human expression is it seems to be to yeah to create. Uh, that's what one of the things we're here for, and one of the things that I think we derive the most pleasure from is creating. And in creating, we are most of the time modifying our environments. And um, uh, the the fear around technology taking away human interaction is a real one because that has in a large part been the theme of the the last 300 years is technology enabling greater and greater independence which the flip side of that um, is that uh, we also evolved to be in community as humans uh, human beings and human animals i call us um, you know the animal nature of us still um, uh, thrives in community there's a deep sense of belonging and a deep sense of, of value and a deep sense of safety which comes from um, those uh, feeling valued and feeling a sense of belonging um, and and how can technology um, how can we um, who see that trend um, help inform the technology makers to build in those those value sets into their experiences so that then when a, a human um, is finished with the technology use they can go out into the world and still feel remarkably connected instead of feeling like they need to check their cell phone um, and their facebook update to um, to feel a sense of connection and value not that that's bad but it can become addicting and um, pull a person out of the direct experience of life, which uh, might be the smile uh, to the person on the street corner that we don't know, or 
the baby laughing and you know these these things that we end up becoming habitualized out of because of the pervasiveness of of technology and um so my my hope is that these technologies yeah. will become training wheels in a way uh to help people value and appreciate the direct experience of life yeah well i want i want to challenge that a little just to be a little provocative yeah um bring it and, and i think <laughs> i hear that i hear that of you <laughs> i hear that view a lot and it's totally understandable but i believe that 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 view is still slightly rooted in this sort of assumption that technology is in contrast to life. Mm -hmm. that technology is not natural and that technology is something that we sort of use and then put aside mm -hmm. um, in order to do what's mm -hmm. really living mm -hmm. that that is, comes from such a deep and understandable um almost traumatic relationship that we have mm -hmm. with with technology because it has been so the reason why we even have a term unnatural for me is just an expression of the fact that we have created in contrast with nature mm -hmm. right but it's not nothing's outside of nature nothing's <laughs> outside of life it's just it's just that it, we we have um, almost this ability to be in conflict in mm -hmm. a way, like to, to, to be in, in disharmonious. Right. And so as long as, um, as long as um, we live in this world where technology is this ex expression of disharmony in a way, this expression mm -hmm. of a total, I mean, we're literally destroying our planet. That can only come from a, a sense of just fundamental disconnection. <laughs> right mm -hmm. and as long as we're creating technology from a place where we can literally destroy our home well then the technology is going to feel that way it's mm -hmm. going to feel like this thing that's separate from us that's separate mm -hmm. from nature that we have to get away from in order mm -hmm. to really experience life and my sense of what technology will look like when it's really successful is that it will feel just as natural as the plants and the trees and a hug and the rest of the flow of our of our human existence. Mm. I really like that course correction on on thought flow. Um, that I appreciate that framework very much. And uh, I I also want to tie that back to your your analogy of, of fast food. I feel like we're we're completely in the junk food stage of technology. And if all yeah. if all I'm eating is is processed sugar, which in and of itself is a technology, um, if all I'm eating is refined sugar all day long, that's probably not going to lead to a very healthy and balanced uh, human experience. So for me, the, some of these technologies, which are akin to and and not just uh, akin to in an, an, uh, an analogy sense, but actually in a neurological and in a um, biochemical feedback way, um, our responses to sugar and our responses to cocaine and other substances which have a habitualizing addictive nature, our neurological responses are the same for some uh, computer human interactions uh, as in social, social media, email responses. And, um, and so in a way, we are um, a society that is we're, we're children playing in a candy store and um, and that's not bad. It just it is. And so uh, how can we as we evolve um, and learn to be uh, more mature humans uh, um, help others who are thrashing around on the floor having a, a sugar withdrawal? Uh, how do we figure how do we figure out ways to help them? Um, um, come out of that and educate themselves about how to use the technology uh, in a more integrated and meaningful way with the rest of their human experiences. Again, that's still a separatist yep, perspective, totally. but, um, but you know, yeah, <laughs> well, I'll, yeah the one, so I'll, I'll, I'll sort of, <laughs> I'm getting excited I'll throw, to throw one thing in there, um, you know, and I'll, and to tie it back, you know, again, to sort of, what this technology could do or be like, um, you know, you said we're sort of like a candy store and that the candy, the cocaine, the drugs and the tech have a certain kind of same sort of dopamine hit, the same sort of 
um, kind of addictive effect on our system. Um, but the thing I want to say is, um, is if, if you look at the research on addiction, um, that picture that we have of this rat in a cage that will just um, choose the cocaine over food until it dies, that's not the full picture. The, the, the growing research on addiction is pointing more and more towards the addiction actually being a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. The addiction actually being an expression of a life that is so out of balance and uh, that we actually um, grasp onto these, um, these external hooks to help us just cope with it, to help us cope with life. And that might be drugs, that might be food, that, that might be um, uh, technology, whatever it might be. So we're not kids in a candy store, right? We're, we're actually, um, we are desperate, hurt beings in a candy store, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and, that's the, and that's the issue. And so, um, um, and, and so we're, we're mostly creating stuff to feed that desperate need to, to actually be healthy and sane and connected. And that's what our entire food industry is built on. That, that's what the alcohol industry is built on. And now that's what the tech industry is being built on. Mm. And so um, what I'm trying to do and what so many people around us are trying to do and the folks that you're interviewing are hopefully trying to do is to say, how do we build the tech that isn't going to just be feeding this desperate demand to, 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 to just be relieved of suffering? But how do we actually create the tools that help people become healthy again, that help people actually reconnect with themselves and reconnect with each other? Um, we, we actually, um, to give a like, more concrete, example um we uh we had about 15 people over at our, our house last night you you mentioned uh eliza who, one of your friends was here too um and um and it was kind of a sci-fi scene imagine people sitting in a circle wired up to electrodes measuring their heart with a sensor strapped around them measuring their breath and a big glowing globe in the middle of the room and, and individual lights in front of every single person. And, and, and what we're creating is a technology platform that allows people to, or helps people to connect to themselves, connect to each other by deepening their relationship with their own heart, with their own breath, and with the heart and breath of the others in the room. And so, so for example, one of the things that we do is, um, you know, we might start with a meditation, a guided meditation, where people are connecting with their own heart. And, and, and as they're doing this, through the headphones they're wearing, they actually um, slowly begin to hear their own heartbeat coming in. And for many people, this is the first time that they actually um, have heard their own heart. And it's sometimes a very moving experience and then they look down in front of them and there's this light pulsing with their heartbeat and they're instructed to reach down and pick up this light and now they're they're actually holding their heart in their hand as they're being guided through this meditation and then then they're instructed to turn to their neighbor without making eye contact yet just now looking at their neighbor's light and on the count of three three two one trade lights and so now you're actually holding your neighbor's heart in your hand and right at that moment the sound swaps and now you're hearing their heartbeat as well and as you're holding their heart and you're hearing their heartbeat then you're asked to look up and and now you're looking into their eyes as you're experiencing their heart and so this is uh, um, an experiment that we're doing, which includes all kinds of experiences with the breath and people synchronizing with the breath and creating music using 20 heartbeats. And, you know, we're, we're going to be running three 
meditation retreats at Esalen in the next four months um, in the Bay Area. Um, this is this is an ongoing experiment. We call it the Group Flow Project of how can we really create these moving experiences using technology um, that are uniquely enabled by technology, but to ultimately bring us back to ourselves and each other. That's so wonderful. You're, you really are pioneering the use of technology for deeper, deeper human connection. And I'm excited to see how your foundational research and experimenting is going to flow into the other media, uh, I can even see, you know, this being a distributed system where, um, you know, you can swap out these monitors in a virtual environment, for example, uh, to increase connectivity and, um, and across the globe, even, um, you know, putting the sci-fi goggles on even a little more <laughs> further, um, a virtual room with this, just uh, for those who may not have the ability to to travel to the same physical location. Um, so yeah, th that's incredible, Mikey. Definitely congratulations on, on ma manifesting that and putting the effort in and um, really um, being a thought leader and, an, and a great executor in getting these things together. And how wonderful that you're teaching at Esalen. That's a place that's so near and dear to my heart. I, it's also a place I live close to and has been incredibly transformative and helpful for me both um, at the community level and uh, also in the um, in all of the uh, education and, and uh, awareness practices there yeah. well thank you Xander yeah um, I, I appreciate I appreciate you and, and thanks for, for seeing me thank you so much for joining us today at ConsciousFounders.org. We really appreciate sharing this wisdom from so many wonderful entrepreneurs, creators, thinkers, artists, and thank you for your contribution. If you know of someone who you think might be a good match for the program, or if you yourself would like to come on and join the program, definitely contact me directly. Uh, I can be reached, Xander, Z-A-N-D-E-R, at ConsciousFounders.org, or you can go to the website and uh, find us there. There's a contact page. And, of course, definitely check out Mikey's site. That's M-I-K-E-Y-S-I-E-G-E-L.com, and you can find out more about him there, his group flow experience. Uh, you might want to connect with him or his consciousness hacking movement on Facebook or other social media. As always, stay healthy. Mm -hmm.